here that I can deal with. Uh, by the way, we have the month's prayers, or the month's, uh, yeah, Sunday worship service. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that you can pick up and take and put into a store window if you'd like, or you know, advertise it around town. All right, this morning's sermon is entitled, A Peculiar People. Most of us probably wouldn't take that as a compliment uh, right off the hand, but let's read through it and see what it says. And I'll ask if you'll uh, forgive me for for my source information that came out of the Methodist book. Uh, we're not going Methodist, but it, they had some uh, very good uh, points to make. Please rise as we read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and, every, and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so, ye have been tested that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which, are, which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto they are appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. St. Peter's letter to the early Christian church of what is now Turkey, Asia Minor, a peculiar people. The dictionary definition of peculiar says out of the ordinary, strange, odd, unusual. You might say just plain weird, odd, or out of the ordinary. All depends on what you consider normal. 
I'm sure that when the indigenous peoples met the Puritans at Plymouth Rock, they found them to be peculiar in many ways and vice versa. But the dictionary also offers more positive spin on the word peculiar. It means special, particular, distinctive, belonging to one thing and not another. And I think in his definition, Peter has in mind when he says that Christians are a peculiar people, better translated as God's own people. This paragraph from Peter's first letter is full of mixed metaphors and overlapping images. He seems to get caught up in the emotion and inspiration of what he is saying, and he grabs at every image he can get his hands on to make his point. He employs well-known rabbinic teaching tool of a series of phrases, each one interpreting the next like a string of beads. Newborn babes, tasting the goodness of God, the living stone, a cornerstone and a lively stones built up into a spiritual house. Stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Chosen race, royal priesthood, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own people. So if you want to know what makes us peculiar, look at the connected images. We are a holy nation. Right off the bat, it's obvious Peter is not talking about political citizenship or the nation of state. He's not advocating the divine right of kings nor manifest destiny. Now he has suggested one political nation or state somehow more than another. He is, after all, writing in the day when the Roman Empire was in full force, literally covering and controlling the known world. Worship of Caesar and the state was part of the woodwork, a full melding of religion and state. The creed of the nation was Caesar is Lord. They really believed that the nation was holy and Caesar divine. Peter is not talking about that kind of allegiance or citizenship. Rather, Peter is writing to his fledgling band of scattered disciples who in the face and might of Rome and worship of Caesar were bold to say, Jesus is Lord. They are the ones he is calling a holy nation, called out from every nation, every tribe, every language by God. Marked by the sign of the cross, traveling under the banner of allegiance to Christ is Lord of all. You, says Peter, because you belong to one thing and not another, because you belong to Jesus Christ rather than Caesar, because you worship God alone and not the state, because your first allegiance is to the cross rather than any standard or sign or flag. Therefore, you are a holy nation, God's own people. Now the problem of misunderstanding what it means to be a holy nation gets right back to the beginning. With God's original call to the children of Abraham, the people of the Old Testament Israel, as early as the book of Deuteronomy, obviously the people were beginning to think they were special. You can start to believe it is all about our goodness, our identity, and who we are that makes the difference. So as early as the book of Deuteronomy, Moses used the same language and image which Peter now claims are the Christians. For you are 
people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people of his own possession. Of all the peoples of the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you. It is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath which he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out of the out with a mighty hand and redeemed you. That's taken from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now because you are so special and because God loves you, not that you are so holy, but because God has redeemed you, not that there is something intrinsically better about your state than any other, but because God has claimed you and made you a people of his own possession. You, as the people of God, from every people and from every state, you are the holy nation, God's own people. Peter Story, a former bishop of the Methodist Church of South Africa, led the South African Methodists through a difficult and challenging days in their witness against the evil of apartheid. In a sermon in 1989, before the liberation of his nation, Peter said, In South Africa, the pagan notion of racial purity and pride has become the nation's god, and that is sick. False religion stains everything we do. One of the great tragedies of my homeland is that some parts of the Christian church have become mouthpieces, not of God, but of the state. It is time for the, church of, for the church to be the church. Jesus brought into being an entirely new, radically different community, offering people citizenship, transcending the frontiers of nations and contrasting powerfully with the norms around it. The church is not only another institution in society, nor is it an extension of the traditions of any state. The church must be different often over against the ways of all nations. The alternative identity must be cherished as the most important characteristic of the church. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. In a day when the religious right tends to blur the lines between church and state, I think Bishop's story is right. The church needs to be clear about our identity. Our highest allegiance is to Christ. We belong to one thing and not another. We are gathered from all the peoples of the earth as the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, a holy nation. It makes us a bit peculiar, distinctive, special, particular. We are God's own people. And we are a royal priesthood. Again, at the risk that we get thinking of the priesthood as an order of princes of churches, elevated, holy, robed in silver and gilded with gold, better than everyone else, nothing could be further from the mind of Peter or the pattern of Christ. To be a priest is to be one who goes between God and the people. It is to be one who communicates the word of God to the world. It is to be commissioned with the task of carrying out the caring ministry of Christ into the community, to be the ones who break the bread of reconciliation and bear the cup of Christ's mercy to those who are hurting and in need. And Peter's letter is not addressed to set apart 
class of ordained clergy since none existed at the time of the church and the time of his writing. I happen to believe the role of ordained. I've spent 35 years of my life doing this. But Peter's letter is addressed to the church. You are a royal priesthood. All are called to go between God and the world. All are called to carry the love of Christ to others. All are called to be the servant of the people of God. All are called to be priests to one another. In contrast to the priests of the pagan temples around them who were venerated, pampered, and out of touch with the common people, Peter calls the whole church to the task of servanthood, the calling of Christ. Several years ago, when British Airways was doing well, when Dick Gialis had the helm, he credited with turning British Airways into the most profitable airline in the world. When asked the secret of his success, Dick said, it's really quite simple. We just turned our management philosophy upside down and everyone became accountable to the person below them rather than the person above them. Here's a massive corporation embracing the servant style, lifestyle of Jesus. The focus of the company would be on the humble passenger rather than the top executive. So he asked, who is the focus of the church? Who is the person we are concerned about? Who do we exist to serve? For Jesus, there is no question. In the kingdom, the humble are lifted up and the most vulnerable have pride of place. That is why you can't ask Jesus into your heart alone. You will always ask, can I bring my friends? And his friends will always include the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. Jesus says the final judgment will be on what we have done for the latest, for the least of these, his friends. We are called to be a royal priesthood in the service of the world. We are a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood with a particular task. To declare the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. What a commission, what a calling, what a task. Just imagine what it would be like to start every morning looking in the mirror saying to yourself, no matter what work I have to do, my first task is to declare the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. No matter how boring the meetings or dull the duties, my hidden agenda is to declare the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. No matter how depressing the headlines or how dark the horizon, my calling is to declare the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When John Wesley sent lay preacher George Shadford to the American colonies with nothing in his saddlebag but a Bible and a hymnal, he sent him with this commission, I set you loose, George, on the great continent of America. Proclaim your message in the open face of the sun and do all, you, all the good you can. 
Those early circuit riders were given to charge the proclamation to proclaim the scriptural holiness and reform the continent. And they went about doing just that. We are peculiar, special, distinctive, commissioned with a task of proclaiming the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. One quick story. Let me tell you about Boris and the church in Paldiski, Estonia. During the Soviet war years, Paldiski was closed, was a closed military community. They literally flattened the old town and built one of those bland communist era communities with concrete apartment buildings and lifeless streets. When communism fell, they abandoned the city, taking with them almost everything of value, including the kitchen sink. What's left is a dismal outpost with a struggling economy, little work, and disheveled buildings. In the basement of one of the broken down apartment buildings, you enter through a leaky cellar full of discarded rubble. Then step into one small room, large enough for about 30 people. It is the home of the Paldiski Methodist Church. One room, refurbished, painted a fresh white, with clean floor and new chairs, all done almost single-handedly by Boris and his wife. He speaks only Russian, and she speaks Russian and some Estonian. So everyone had to be translated from Russian to Estonian to English. It makes for a complicated conversation. But in the midst, you have never seen such joy, such radiant faith, such hope, such a winsome witness. Here in the midst of decay, in the darkness of a dank cellar, they are about the business of declaring the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness and into the light. Odd, strange, out of the ordinary, special, distinctive, particular, belonging to one thing and not another. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's own chosen people, a peculiar people. Thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, Father, that you loved us so much, that you saved us from ourselves, from the world, and from sin. Father, we pray that you would continue to be with us throughout this week, that you would continue to remind us that we are here to serve, that we do this for your glory and not our own. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.